Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Island of the Fishmen and Humanoids from the Deep. Don't forget, special this week at the concession stand is Fish Fingers, Deep Fried. Where they get fish fingers from, I guess it's the humanoids from the deep. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Stupid, stupid food. I can't jack off with these mashed potatoes. They're too hot. Uh, That's going to be the best opening for an episode ever. (laughs) Oddly appropriate for at least one of the films. Yeah. Um. I am excited. My movie pass card came in the mail. Nice. But I'm not even going to get a chance to use it until like Sunday. Oh, uh, week. I, I actually didn't use mine at all this week. I, uh, I was too busy doing other stuff. I didn't get a chance to get out. Doing other stuff. Jacking off with mashed potatoes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but first he's got to wait for them to cool down. That's why it takes all day. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you got to get the consistency right, because if you over-mix them, they get all gluey. <laughs> There's a joke about gravy in there somewhere, but we'll skip over it. This is upsetting enough already. <laughs> So, Doug, you actually came up with the idea for the show this week. So, yeah. let's lay it out for the listeners what we're going to be talking about. Uh, basically, I had an idea for a merman show. Um, and by that, I mean I found on YouTube Island of the Fishmen. And I thought, oh, that kind of sounds like humanoids from the deep, which I haven't seen in a while. So, let's make those guys watch these movies. Nice. So I'd heard uh, Scott had told me that you had wanted to do a Merman show like forever ago, but it just never happened on last forecast. I would accept that that is possibly true. However, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I tried to remember every show that I tried to do in the last Horrorcast that never got done. <laughs> it takes all of my self-control to not scream evil every time you guys say Merman. Merman? See? See, now you're just pushing it. Pushing it. <laughs> uh, so, Doug, which one would you like to synopsize first? Since this is the big Doug extravaganza episode. Um, it's Because <laughs> I got to pick the movies one week out of yeah. apparently ever. Although I didn't realize that at the time. Um, <laughs> it's only the third, the third episode. You're good. I don't know. I let's go with Island of the Fishmen first because chronologically it was released first. All right. Go um, for it. Okay. So, non-spoilery plot description is that uh, it's like eighteen something, 
a ship has capsized, uh, a prisoner ship, one of the guards, who's also a doctor, and the several prisoners have survived on a lifeboat. They find themselves uh, stranded on an island. Um, something is stalking them in the woods, so they go running inland, find signs of voodoo tribes, um, continue running, and are taken in by some local settlers. Uh, and really weird shit is going on. And I don't know, we'll have to throw up like a spoiler alert in order to get into it, but it involves like the lost city of Atlantis and possibly yeah. the descendants of the peoples of that lost city. Um, so I think we should discuss it and then do a spoiler warning and let people know before we spoil it because I'm going to recommend the shit out of this. I was going to say, I don't know how you talk about this movie without spoiling it because it's got it's got layers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be a brief discussion and then we'll get into the spoilery stuff, I think. But um, I don't know. This was a first time watch for me and it impressed the hell out of me. So that's that's good because that's kind of a, a new thing for this podcast um, <laughs> for, for the movie to be good. Um, so I'm just curious what you guys thought of it. Uh, first time watch for me. Uh, you caught that it was set in the 1800s. I wasn't sure, so I just kind of went with it. It might be 1700s, or it could be really any time before they had a lot of electricity. That's yeah. that's all I know for sure. Yeah. See, I just never knew. I thought maybe they just lived on this island, and it's like, oh, we're going old school with shit. So electricity, we don't really use a whole lot of it, or whatever. But uh, yeah, 1891, according to the Wikipedia page. Fair enough. Um, yeah, first time watch, I really enjoyed it too. I thought the the look of the fishman was pretty good, and uh, I don't know, just all the craziness that we'll get into. Uh, I was a big fan of. What about you, Noah? Uh, I thought the special effects were amazing for the time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I actually, I kind of, I really got into the story. More because I'm a I'm a huge HP Lovecraft mark, and once we get into the spoilers, we can talk more about exactly how much HP Lovecraft influence there is in this movie because it's a lot. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was going to say I'm a big HG Wells fan, and there's a lot of HG Wells influence in this story, yeah. so it's kind of a kind of interesting because those are two pretty different people, yeah. so. I would argue maybe, maybe a little Jules Verne thrown in as well. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. So it's a nice little mixture yeah. of everything. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's not spoilery to say that the, the fishmen themselves are a, a throwback to the classic creature of the Black Lagoon. And there's mm-hmm. some very obvious tributes early on where you see just the hand of the fishman come on screen. And it looks just like the creature's hand that you see in that movie um, before mm-hmm. the full creature is revealed. The opening scene where they crash into the rocks and they're assaulted in the water is awesome. Yeah. That's that's as good of a horror movie opening as I've ever seen in a movie. See, the thing with that, too, was, like, I was anticipating a film. I'm, like, I was thinking, like, low-budget sleazefest where they just crash on an island and they're stalked by fishmen and they get killed. And somewhere along the line, we get a bit of dialogue explaining why the fishmen are there. And that's all. That's all I thought we were walking into. And right away, that opening scene, I mean, the tension between the doctor and the prisoners and the, the fact that 
you could already start to pick out characters in those opening moments and that you could tell that they were all actually individual people and not just caricatures that are going to be killed off. I was already like really impressed and kind of caught off guard. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, when we get on the island, you could tell there's already sort of a relationship built between the doctor and like some of them, obviously a couple of them are very sort of looking out for themselves. There's another, what the fuck was the, like the bigger guy with the beard? I don't remember what his name was. I want to say Jose, but I nah, be wrong. that sounds right. But he seems like the doctor could tell him like, you know, Hey, help me do this. And the guy would run over and help him. And then it seems like the other two were just sort of assholes and, yeah, and it, I, I felt like that was sort of true to the idea that these were prisoners. They don't really get into why these guys were prisoners, but some of them are obviously pretty bad guys, and some of them are just you know people who maybe made some mistakes in their life or whatever. Uh, I, the, I think the villain was uh, that the acting. I, I can't remember what the guy's name is because I didn't bother to look it up, but. Uh, I thought his acting was fantastic. He came off per- perfectly sleazy, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he is just fantastic in in his doing what he does. He's just like the it's like the weird, like almost like if this movie were set in modern times, he'd be like the CEO of an evil corporation. But because this movie's set in eighteen ninety one, he just owns a giant plantation house with slaves on. <laughs> Uninhabited island. Sure. And uh, I think I posted on Facebook like this movie's got like everything. There's like there's you're voodoo. Going, you're, go, you're going into spoiler territory. No, no, I'm not reading all of it. But I'm, this is like there's like voodoo, and all, <laughs> and, like all this other crazy shit. And I'm just like, wow, they really literally were just like, I don't know if we got enough in this movie, but let's throw in some more stuff just in case. Well, I think. Without getting into spoilers, I think it's almost safe to say the voodoo is almost just like a, a red herring. It's like maybe the thing that's going wrong is voodoo, but yeah. it doesn't. You could easily edit the voodoo out of this movie and it'd be fine, which is kind of yeah. a hilarious thing to have in a movie that when it's not directly plot important. <laughs> All right, what else we got to say? Pre spoiler warning. Uh, the problem, I, every, everything I want to say about it is spoilery, so I don't. I'm not sure what to say. I would, I would say, uh, high, high recommend. This is a great movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's this movie, same, and it's free on uh, YouTube. Just, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but it is. So, it's there. I don't, I don't feel. I never feel guilty about watching anything on YouTube. If, they, if nobody's taking it down, then it's not my responsibility. So, yeah, that's that's YouTube's responsibility, not ours. Yeah. And if you look it up, you might find it under the name Screamers, because Screamers was the American release title. Which is hilarious, because it's a terrible name for this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has nothing <laughs> Island of the Fishmen is actually a perfect name for this movie. So, um, yeah, I, I would say a huge recommend. I mean, the, the first, call it half hour of the movie, where the guys are being stalked through the like swamps and weeds and stuff, that was a good enough movie for me to recommend. And then it took all these great twists and turns that we're about to get into, so... Even if you just watch the beginning, it's amazing, and I think you'll you'll like it for sure. All right, so are we going into spoiler territory now? Let's officially get into spoiler territory. All right. So underneath this island of the Fishmen is the lost continent of Atlantis, um, and our doctor kind of after being taken into this plantation house 
um, it's revealed that they are. I don't even know how to describe this. He's he's shown like an under underground cave where you can go diving and see the actual continent of uh, Atlantis under the. Yeah, water. he's got a he's got a bathosphere set up. Yeah, is that what that thing's called? Yeah. I was going to say, like, old-timey diving bell. So <laughs> your word's way better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... And these fishmen are literally being used to carry um, the treasure from Atlantis yeah. to on, the surface. On top of his slave labor, he has fishmen slave labor. <laughs> yeah, and they're being controlled. We It's revealed. Um, there's a woman who's there. We're not really told who she is at the beginning, but she's drugging the fishmen basically she's bringing them like a substance they drink it and then they do whatever they're told after drinking it so there's like a real like i don't know i'm like it, almost like th this was kind of a trend in the uh, in the 70s where you get these horrific movies where there'd be a character who's completely trolled and controlled because they're uh, on heroin and whoever's getting them the heroin is just using them that's sort of the same thing but they're doing it to fishmen in this movie um, and that was that probably was the best misdirection in the whole movie because they they start talking about the voodoo and the black magic and all that kind of stuff and then he sees her carrying the potion to the fishman and yeah. and you're convinced that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then we're then we're given the truth from the perspective of the villain, which is that these fishmen are the descendants of the citizens of Atlantis. Uh, basically, as Atlantis sunk into the ocean, the people evolved really quickly into fishmen, which really doesn't hold up, I don't think, scientifically in discussing evolution. But. Well, actually, he says he says that uh, Atlantis didn't sink quickly. It took, like, millions of years to sink, so they evolved as it sank. Okay. Still don't think it makes any sense, but that's fine. It, it, it doesn't I, I, was, I was perfectly happy with the explanation in the confines of the movie. Yeah. But um, they do they do say it was a long period of time, so yeah. they, <laughs> they try. They try. Um, it's it makes more sense than the explanation we're gonna get in the next movie. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, but it's revealed not too not too long after that 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 story is actually bullshit because really what's happened is that this guy, um, again I wish I knew the villain's name, but he's kidnapped essentially Dr. Moreau. They're not calling him that. But he's kidnapped a guy who is somehow capable of turning human beings into fishmen. Um, As the, you do. Yeah. So, if I understood this correctly, the scientist is interested in doing this because he believes that one day human population will be so big that Earth won't be able to sustain it. So he wants people to be able to evolve back into fish so they can go into the sea so that when overpopulation runs the land, there'll, there'll be somewhere for people to go. That is surprisingly accurate, yes. Yeah, but the guy paying for all the scientific experiments, he's just doing it so that they have someone who can swim down to get the treasure from Atlantis. Well, and if, if I understand it correctly in the movie, he doesn't know that the fishmen are these weird science experiments. He thinks that they just discovered fishmen. Okay, and, and that's I wasn't sure on that. I wasn't sure how much yeah. he knew because there is this sort of like private lab that the Moro character has. Um, so 
I wasn't sure like if he knew what was going on or what. Yeah, yeah, like how he built a secret lab underneath the guy's house without the guy knowing about it. <laughs> but again, he must have been funding it in some way, and he was. Yeah, he was getting the bodies to experiment on. From like, it's implied that some of the graves that were dug up, uh, which we were led to believe was part of the voodoo rituals were probably used for this guy's experimentations and that's probably what happened to a lot of the uh, original inhabitants of the island is that they didn't leave which is this explanation that we're given in dialogue is that they were turned into fishmen so or those might have been the early experiments before they could officially be called fishmen so I, I found that whole story fascinating I love this whole thing this is like just to, to let everyone know where I'm coming from, there are two lazy boys in the room I'm in right now. Hanging behind one is a poster for Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hanging behind the other is a poster for the Island of Dr. Moreau. So when you take those two things and you mix them up and make them into one fucking awesome movie, I get excited. I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe they're combining like two of my favorite stories. Yeah, I could not, told me about this. I could not believe how good those special effects were. Oh, I know. The makeup effects, they were awesome. They yeah, were like, really good. Like, the the whole bodies of the fishmen were, I mean, it was basically a, a decorated wetsuit, but they looked fantastic. And it's like, when we get the shot of the one guy who's being transformed and he's halfway, it's amazing when you look at it. You're just like, that's, for a 1979 Italian movie, you just don't expect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they did a much better job than uh, than I thought thought they were. I thought this was going to be pretty just over the top, like cheesy. Like uh, I was going to I was going to say Roger Corman movie, but that is literally the next movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> but I feel like this. It, I almost figured it would be like some of the earlier Corman movies where it was just like cheese on top of cheese on top of cheese. But yeah. it seems like there's actually a lot that went into this movie, which is really cool. No, it's there's there's little things too. Like in the seventies, blood never looked good on screen, but it does in this movie. Like they did a really good job with it, and it's you can just show the care that went into the little details like that is what makes this movie like it. it you get sucked in, and it feels real, which is weird because it's such a crazy story that you're watching. But <laughs> it does it does get a little wild there at the end. <laughs> But you start comparing like the effects in this movie to like big budget movies from the time where there were like like the API version of Island of Dr. Moreau or like the Planet of the Apes movies that were around at the time. Like mm-hmm. these fishmen are easily comparable to any of those as far as makeup effects goes. Yeah. I would probably give I don't know if I put them on the uh, the planet of the apes level only because the uh, the amount of facial expression that that makeup allowed was like revolutionary. Yeah, but I mean, again, these are supposed to be fish, so yeah. they wouldn't have the same level of expression. Maybe they can they're hiding behind that a little bit. But yeah, Noah, I, no, I'm with you. Like I said, I, it's awesome. Hey, this is weird because we're all agreeing and none of us know how to podcast when we agree. But- <laughs> son, of, son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, as, as far as the uh, the Lovecraft influence goes, so so Lovecraft has a bunch of like running themes throughout his work, and the number one is fear of the other. Yeah. Which which that's 
what this is over and over again. Strange guy in a strange place, afraid of his toast. Strange guy in a strange place, afraid of the black people. Strange guy in a strange place, afraid of the fishmen. Yeah, afraid of the black people is pretty pretty spot on for uh, Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. The not the not subtle racism about yeah. uh, people of color or different ethnicities being primitive or uh, subservient. Much even Jose's character is very subservient to the Doctor for no reason. But uh, actually, a really good point. <laughs> yeah, and then there's also the themes of uh, desire for things that ought to be left alone, which that's pretty much a huge crux of the movie. There's tampering with things that ought not be tampered with in science, which that's definitely a big part of the movie. It, it, fishmen are very literally Lovecraftian. Uh, even the the idol in the underwater temple is straight out of a Lovecraft story. I mean, this thing like oozes Lovecraft. Saying oozes Lovecraft is very very gross. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're definitely right in everything you're saying. Um, it, it's strange that all those the themes that are all jammed into this one story that is seemingly very simple. Um, yeah. But it's the the stuff with the race I think is really important because it's it's playing up on okay so not only are our characters showing up and seeing black people and kind of thinking oh shit like black people what are we going to do? But yeah. they're obviously like they're clearly they're playing with the fact that the audience is going to assume that those black people are bad guys right like black people with a non-christian religion oh for shame <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean they're playing off that and then they almost play off as well they're like oh don't worry a lot of black people are slaves so now our characters are going to be safe like that's literally how it's played and it's really having fun with the fact that they know whoever's watching this is probably racist because it's 1979. Everybody was racist. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the way that the characters in the movie, too, they all just end up kind of... You don't get a whole lot of detail specifically about them or their motivations. Instead, they all just play like archetypes in the story because the the villain mustachio guy is just a walking id who he wants treasure, he wants the woman, he wants, you know, wants, wants, wants. And the science guy just wants the science and everyone else be damned. And good guy just wants to do the right thing! I like how that's the one you chose to make fun of. That's because it's the least realistic. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, Doug. You would have wanted. You would have wanted. Like, oh, maybe I'll just take a little bit of treasure. A little bit of treasure would be okay. I would have. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, to be fair though, they did try to leave in the rich guy's boat, which had a lot of the treasure already loaded up onto it. <laughs> so when the time comes, they're like, "Let's escape the island." Because I guess what I didn't mention in my plot description is there's a countdown because the volcano on the island is going to go off, and they need to be out of there before that happens. Yeah. So. Uh, as the volcano's going off and the fishmen are attacking and all hell's breaking loose at the end, they do try to steal the rich guy's boat and 
it's like, yeah, that's, I guess they're taking some of that treasure with them. Because <laughs> we see, like, oh. the one the one big idol that was sort of, like, symbolic of, like, okay, this must be all of it because we're getting the biggest thing. Mm. It falls back into the ocean, but the rest of the stuff is still on the boat. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if they were going for uh, another big Lovecraft theme. Is generally uh, they call it the cleansing lightning bolt, which is the basically the the act of nature that wipes the slate clean at the end. And I think they might have been calling back to Lovecraft again because the removal of the idol from the temple is basically, according to the Voodoo Lady, the catalyst for the volcano going off. And, and then you have the the volcano taking the place of the lightning bolt and basically killing everyone and resetting everything. Yeah, I can see that argument. It's, I mean, it's pretty clear that the goal here is to wipe out everything and just leave our couple of sort of innocent characters get to return to the yeah. world. Um, now, you could also... I, I brought up H.G. Wells. You could also say that this is basically a retelling of the Island of Dr. Moreau's story, and it ends in the same way with the character getting back on a boat and leaving again. Um, comes to the island, all hell breaks loose, leaves. That's the basic storyline there. Um, so it's hard to know exactly where their influences came from, but you can definitely see how they were probably influenced by both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. Anything else uh, you guys want to chat about about the movie? Uh, I thought the the ending leaves some good room for interpretation <laughs> because it's either the fishmen saved them or they just completely lucked out. I think sure. the fishmen saved them. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what that's I took it. Yeah, I mean that's we kind of get the 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 woman character. She says it in dialogue, um, and. I just took that as gospel, and I thought it was also a nice way of letting us know that the fishermen lived as well. Yeah. Which is, I mean, they, they are, for all intents and purposes, innocent victims in this story. And I like the idea that they just get to now have this life. I mean, they have, Atlantis is still down there, right? A volcano erupting on the surface wouldn't destroy it. So they have a home. They're, I don't know what they're, I don't know exactly what they eat, but they're no longer subservient to anyone. So they're free to live their lives. Even Jose, who was a prisoner, is like, well, he's paid his price now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I interpreted that because um, she was the one that was always administering whatever the potion or whatever it was. Yeah. So I just took it almost like uh, that even though she was using the potion, they were still almost... Um, it was almost like she never... She really didn't have to use the potion. Like they still sort of were infatuated with her anyway. And, well, know. every other character in the movie was infatuated with her. So yeah, <laughs> you had like the, the villain was uh, basically almost tries to rape her at one point. You have the hero who's clearly, you know, flirting with her. You had the and you had the other like the, one of the prisoner villains before he gets taken out by the fishman is going after her. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just makes sense. She's clearly meant to be this like highly desirable woman character. Yeah, um, kind of a, another stereotype in these types of movies. That's just yeah, yeah, it I makes feel, sense. I I feel like that was the very Hollywood version of the ending because the ending's sure. also very. Uh, if you've ever read Dagon, the ending's kind of the similar where 
the the two main characters go down and you think everything's over and then he wakes up in a boat again in the middle of nowhere <laughs> driven mad but yeah I can see these people being considered insane when they get back <laughs> right. oh yeah they both end up in an asylum yeah. there's an island of fishmen and voodoo <laughs> It's like okay, I could I could have taken the voodoo or the fishmen, but when you start talking about Atlantis, like you guys are crazy. There's no way that you went to one island that had all that crazy shit on it. And supposedly it's a really good Atlantis model. And supposedly this woman can read. She's obviously crazy. Let's throw her in the loony bin. It is eighteen ninety one. She was assisting her father in the lab at one point. It's yeah. probably punishable by death anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah, the mentor work on those was on this movie was awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Everything in this movie was so good. We didn't even mention like the set design was fantastic. Like I just, that, the lab looked great. The the underwater cave where they were diving to Atlantis looked was like a really cool set, and that's where they have like part of the big fight at the end. So it was neat to have that looking cool. I was gonna say I'm I'm almost a little irritated that I hadn't seen this before, because if somebody would have told me about this movie, I would have seen this movie twenty times at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of mad at the world for making letting me think that this was like a cheesy, silly, nothing film that, you know, oh you can get to that one day. I, I should have watched this a long time ago. <laughs> Doug's gonna take to showing this to little Lando all the time now. Yeah, your girlfriend's I'm, gonna be like, no. I gotta, no look for, I, gotta, I gotta look for a Blu-ray of this one because I don't know if one exists or not. I haven't checked yet. But they did this shit with foam and a glue gun. <laughs> CGI can't do that. Yeah, it's bullshit. Just have like two YouTube windows open next time Lando comes in. I'll be like, minimize the five little monkeys jumping on the bed. Maximize the fishmen, depending on where mom's <laughs> in the room. Um, let's see. You can get a DVD of Island of the Fishmen for $66.49. Jesus Christ. Or you can pick up... Um, wait, is this the same one? Maybe. Uh... uh Yes. Uh, you can pick it up on Blu-ray under the name Screamers um, for $10. Why, why would it be under the name Screamers? Does anybody understand? We're going to have the same discussion with the next movie. So. <laughs> but I understand Like sometimes you have to rename movies for different markets. That makes sense. Things don't always translate. But Screamers Wait. makes no damn sense in this case. Wait, did, uh, did Roger Corman produce this one too? Did he? I, think he, I thought I thought this is a foreign film. He didn't do a lot of. This, this is what it says in the this is uh, an Italian film. That's what it and says in the Amazon thing. Let me uh, look on IMDb. I'm pretty sure there's something under the uh, page about him being a uh, a uh, uncredited executive producer. That's oh. crazy. Roger Corman is my freaking hero. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you get a trivia oh, about the next movie. What about this? 
After this 1980 release proved unsuccessful, Jim Winerski spearheaded New World Pictures' re-release of the film. Oh, uh, Jim Winerski. He is responsible for retitling and screamers. Yeah, that's... Oh, don't say that. That's Doug's hero. I would like to see. I would like to see the Blu-ray to see if it's actually like a good restored copy or if it's just a DVD rip on a Blu-ray. I don't know. Who cares? It's forty-six dollars um, cheaper than the DVD. <laughs> so on, on IMDb, Screamers, aka Island of the Fishmen, does get a story a story by credit for Lovecraft for the Shadow over Innsmouth. Really? Shadow over Innsmouth? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a story about a village that's slowly turning into fish people. Oh, and here we are. Produced by Roger Corman, executive producer, parentheses, U.S. dubbed version. Uncredited. Okay. So maybe he was just involved in helping them arrange distribution or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, still involved, though. And then apparently it was like, well, next year, I'll make my own version. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally it. He's like, I liked that Fishman movie, but I didn't make any money off of it. And then so. ten years later, he's like, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Just on TV this time. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Roger Corman, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we've been gushing about, high recommend for Island of the Fishmen, a.k.a. Screamers. Um, yeah. But I think Island of the Fishmen is a much better uh, title for this. It, it's much they, more suiting, and it's it just makes the most sense. If they it's put out a thirty-five dollar restored Blu-ray of this tomorrow, I would buy it. Oh wow, that's a bold statement. I would say I'm going to buy it, then select it, put it in my Amazon cart, and get like really cheap all of a sudden because of <laughs> shipping or something on it, and then end up asking somebody else to buy it for me for Christmas. Yeah. Really weird. Two two dollars in shipping. <laughs> Screw this. Oh wow! You'd be surprised how often that hits my limit. I'm like, no, if I can't get the free shipping, it's not happening. All right. So on Blu-ray.com, uh, their Blu-ray review of Screamers, aka Island of the Fishmen. Uh, Screamers Blu-ray video quality four out of five. Nice. And audio quality four out of five. And the pictures they got actually look pretty good. Hmm. Well, then I might, I might need that. Might need that in my collection. I'll send this to you in the uh, group chat. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend you can pick it up. Apparently for twenty dollars on Amazon under the Screamer title. Uh, I wish this would be like one of those that has like the reversible cover. And you could just yeah put the original title on it. If you if, you, if you've seen some of the posters in like the original Italian, like. Yeah. I'm try to pronounce Island of the Fishmen in Italian, but it looks pretty. Those are pretty badass. I wish it, that was the cover art. Oh, here we go. Special features, four out of five as well. Um, <laughs> A five-hour interview with Roger Corman. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so interview uh, Joe Dante, of course, chats with. A fringe player in the additional shooting required to bring the picture up to an R rating. Excellent. Um, oh, interview with Jim Wornarski as he sits down with the man responsible for the CMA and turned inside out marketing push that confused many when it came to the regional release of Screamers. Wait, what? Yeah. On the Screamers poster, it says, what the fuck does it say? 
Uh, they're men turned inside out, and worse, they're still alive. That what? Yeah. That <laughs> no, it makes no sense. Is there another movie called Screamers that they just use no. that same tagline and it makes sense for the other movie? That Maybe is not, that is not accurate yeah. at all. Uh, see, interview with Roger I hate, Corman. I hate the ah. world because I hate that they have to fuck with a movie like this to get people to watch it. And it's like it's <laughs> so good. It deserves yeah. to be watched. Yeah, Roger Corman offers a slightly different, rosier recollection of the Screamers' acquisition and expansion story. Uh, interview with Clark Henderson, the former head of post-production at New World, um, <laughs> is throttled by the interviewee's hazy memories. What? Oh, this is going in my this is going in my Amazon card as soon as I get off reading this. Um. Interview with Miller Drake. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. That's not important. Uh, the infamous Screamers teaser and a Something Waits in the Dark trailer. Okay, I don't know what, what Something Waits in the Dark. Uh, but recommend four out of five. Seems so. Screamers on Blu-ray for $20. Definitely worth uh, Need it. checking it out. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into whether that's available in Canada at the price as well. <laughs> All right, it's in my cart. I get paid tomorrow. I'm gonna buy it. Take, take that region. What are you guys? B region B. <laughs> Still region A. They're the same. They're the same region. They're just. I don't know. Sometimes they get French on the spine. Yeah. Canadians are weird. Hey. <sighs> <laughs> So, Noah, why don't you clue us in on what uh, Humanoids from the Deep is all about? Sweet, sweet fish man loving. <laughs> <laughs> the slightly rapier version from Roger Corman. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're, this is just a spoiler-free thing, because the big reveal is that there's fish man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Humanoids from the Deep, Humanoids from Deep, you can go right in on this one, I think. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to say, you know that there's very different the films. Uh, and the okay. tagline on the poster completely ruins what their goal is. So, so a a lady director was brought in to make a interesting horror movie of having to do with uh, GMOs and unsustainable fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she succeeded, and then Roger Corman came in and said, "There's not enough boobs and blood in this," and so more stuff was shot and added to put boobs and blood into it, <laughs> and thus you have Vic Morrow's sweet, sweet mustache. A Native American guy and a swarthy boat captain uh, attempting to save the town from horrible fishmen <laughs> who want nothing more than to make sweet, sweet fishy love to your ladies and uh, murder everyone at a fair. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that, that sums it up pretty well. I mean, this movie is, for all intents and purposes, like an episode of the A Team with fishmen in it. It's like this, this little town and there's like the big corporate cannery is coming in and the like the small guys are like trying to stop the like the big fishing company from taking over. And they're it's hilarious because there's like right down to the fact that like they're like, well we'll go to court and stop you and then like the big corporation sends its thugs out to beat them up to teach them a lesson. I do I do not need much of an excuse to rewatch uh, humanoids from the deep. And I'm going to download the A-Team's big theme onto my phone. And every time somebody shows up to save someone else, I'm going to play that. And I'm going to laugh hysterically. 
Oh, yeah. Like, at the end, when he lights the lake on fire, I was waiting for him to put a cigar in his mouth and just go, I love it when a plan comes to yeah. <laughs> Or when the Native American guy shoots the thing off of uh, old Vic Morrow's leg. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> you know what I love about this? I love that you're referring to him as Native American after this movie went so far out of its way to be racist against that guy. <laughs> yeah. Did they ever say his name? I think it's like Jack or something. It's yeah, I don't recall them ever saying his name. He's just the Native American guy. Yeah, but they don't they don't ever say Native American either. His name's Johnny Eagle, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't recall them in the movie ever saying his name. Well, no, because you have like all the bad guys are horribly racist, but all the good guy characters, the the fishing captain and his brother who gets attacked by the fishmen and the group of them, they're all using his proper name. Because none of them are racist because they're the good guys. Yep, Johnny Eagle. That's a good name. That's actually like, that sounds like the name of like a guy from a Top Gun ripoff in the 80s. <laughs> Johnny Eagle, he sure does fly. So, so should we talk about the most controversial thing about this movie? It, the rape to, to start things off. Actually, that's not it. <laughs> Wholesale dog murder. Oh my god, I fucking hated this movie. So much dog murder. <laughs> the, the best part of that was Brian sent us all a nice message. I can't believe they killed all the dogs, and I'm like, oh, you're at that scene. There's there's one dog left <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now, because <laughs> the fishmen leave one dog behind, and then they. The humans kill that dog to teach the guy a lesson who they somehow think that this guy they because think Johnny Eagle yeah because they're racist they assume Johnny Eagle killed their dogs and it's so funny because there's like he's not going to break in kill all the dogs and then leave his own right there yeah. not to mention how would he tear apart the dogs in fishman like fashion he does not oh. have to do that this is so bad because this dog like runs out to chase after a fishman and then it's not just like, I mean, like, you know, Halloween, like the, the German Shepherd comes out, you see him kind of hug the dog a little bit, and then they just add a little sound effect. And you're like, oh, poor dog. This one, no, it's just like, yeah, let's get the dog really riled up and then put like fishman hands in there. And then, then we'll get a puppet and like tear it apart. And it'll be oh, yeah. crazy. And I'm like, holy fuck. That dog dies on screen I, and it's great. Yeah. I guess it's actually, like a really good death. That, that scene, there's a story behind that where uh, they couldn't get the dog to, like, be ferocious. <laughs> they, like, couldn't get it. So, like, if if you actually watch it again and watch real close, that dog's mostly just, like, trying to play in love with somebody. Because <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't care that they're wearing horrible, gross fishman hands. Yeah, well, that's like uh, if you ever watch Cujo again. Yeah, uh, to get the dog to attack the car, they put all of his favorite toys in the car. So when he's like jumping on the windshield and pawing at it, like his tail's like wagging like a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you know what the weirdest part about that whole scene for me was? Like, I couldn't remember all the plot points of this movie. I couldn't remember why the fishmen showed up. Sure. So when they're killing all the dogs and they leave like the 
just the, the native guy's dog there. I'm like, oh, this is an interesting new way to be racist. Are they going to imply that he did like some kind of rain dance and brought the humanoids out of the deep? Like, like that's that's a clever way to be racist. I haven't seen that one before. It's only going to work against Native Americans, but it's still I'm like good. Good on you guys for thinking of new racism. It turns out they weren't doing that, so I, I guess I should have given them more credit. <laughs> Uh, I've I've always big been a big fan of the saying "kill the kid and kill the dog." Yeah, and man, this movie does it in spades. <laughs> they like the first person to die is the kid, and then they just kill all the dogs. Not not un dog, all the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> How like dark is that scene where the guy? They're at like the town dance, which for some reason in the '80s the towns had dances. Hmm. Um, and, and then, the guy uh, comes walking in carrying his dead dog and like sets it down in the middle of the dance floor and he's like you sons of bitches I can't believe you did this to my dog and they're like you killed our dogs first asshole <laughs> hey, they could have been like dance off and just had like a dance like a dance off like loose style I'm not sure that that would have <laughs> so, point of interest: the uh, the couple that are out banging in the back of the the truck yep. while while the fighting is going on that is part of the Carmen edition. And mm. if you on a rewatch, if you're paying attention, you can tell it's Adam. Like oh, it's yeah. just so blatant because you can't see that truck anywhere on screen. And when that one guy uh, punches the kid as he opens up the back. All you see is his back, and it's just a similarly dressed guy. <laughs> oh, Corman. I yeah, love that so- part, too, where they're, like, making out, and the guy opens the uh, opens the back of the truck to stick his head out, and he just gets punched and falls back in. <laughs> it's like, that's a classic scene from just, like, <laughs> some weird slapstick comedy, old-timey movie before the head, you know, talking in film. That's, that's Roger Corman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, I did like that. Uh, the main actress, the the scientist lady, who they literally just say she's a scientist. They don't really talk about like what her job description is. Um, All scientists is a scientist. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, she took this role because uh, she's like it was all about like facts and like you know. Uh, how the fuck did she put it? It was it was a very conscientious movie. It wasn't supposed yeah. to be uh, just a over the top horror movie. Here, let me pull up the actual thing. Um, uh, it was an intelligent, suspenseful sci fi story with a basis in fact and no sex. And then of course, <laughs> after they after they finished filming, Corman went back and you know added all the booby shots and stuff. And she was apparently very pissed and tried to get the uh, Screen Actors Guild to stop the movie from coming out, like all this stuff. Which uh, did not succeed, but it's so hilarious to me that this movie could have existed in another form. I wonder if there's enough like cut footage to actually make a feature length film that doesn't have all this sex in it. Because the sex is not only just there's not like a few scenes where they just added in some, some breasts, but there's like it's plot significant. Like you would have to re-edit the film. Well. To make <laughs> no, but. It's That's it's partially it's, true. It's stated that the the reason the fishmen are coming ashore is because they're looking to mate with the human women in order to 
mate with the human women. <laughs> it's but it's it, that, that's the reason given for why they're invading the town. And if you take that out, it's like, well, then why are they doing it? There must have been some other explanation. There must be some other cut scenes that would have given this a different direction to go which, in. Which also brings us to the most horrific thing that's ever been put into a movie. And, and I will I will stand by that forever because it's one of the only things that makes me go, ah, and like look away every time I see it. When the fish man is attacking that girl on the beach, there is a, a tenth of a second, a tiny, tiny frame of motion that is that fish man's hips going full swing into her and it is just one one fluid fishy hump and I don't know what it is about that perfect grotesque motion that I'm just like oh Jesus (laughs) I will say having not seen this movie in a while sitting down to rewatch it I was very surprised by how graphic the rape scenes are. Yeah. Now they're not, you know, we're not talking about Last House on the Left or Day of the Woman here. We're talking about a, a movie with fishmen in it, so they're not that extreme. They're not the most extreme thing I've ever seen or anything. But you would think that most of that what you see would be stuff that would happen off screen. You would think that the different fishmen wouldn't have different preferred positions. But, but they do. And it's, it's so strange to me that somebody took the time to film that. And it must have been the weirdest thing in the world to film. If you're that actress or the actor that's oh, inside yeah. that suit. Like, how do you... I don't even know. It's just so weird. <laughs> and it's also... Like, effective is a really good word for this movie. Everything they do in this film does what it's intended to do. Like, oh yeah, the scene at the beginning with the boy dying sets that tone of, oh yeah, people are going to get jacked up. And then the dog's dying, it's the whole nobody's going to be safe, we're going to kill everybody. And those, the rape scenes are just brutal and you don't want to, like, watch more of it, which is what a rape scene is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you not want to see more. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. The gore effects are all awesome. Uh, I've always really liked the, the creature design, the, the only complaints I ever have about the creatures is at the very end during the invasion of the carnival there is one that has freakishly long forearms and I don't know yeah. why that is because it's the only one that has that <laughs> and they show yeah. it way too close way too many times yeah. I think that's the one that attacks like the one guy's wife at the house for no reason completely yeah. separate from everything else that's going on in the movie yeah, we needed a shot of her in the shower, though. So. Yeah, that's basically it. So they wrote this whole scene where she's at home with the kid while her husband's at the fair. And while he's fighting all these different humanoids, she just has to take one on to the house because it showed up there. And it's like stalking her. Like <laughs> The good news is they have a weak spot. They're giant, bulbous, exposed brains. <laughs> well, one of the things that's interesting with this movie is they do, these things do die. And basically, like, those way anything else would. Some of the, like, when they're shooting them and they get the blood splatter and stuff, it looks great. It's, it's really yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, I was going to say the sort of the chaos at the end of the uh, carnival is just fucking awesome to just sit and watch and just take it all in. Oh, yeah. Fish, fishmen going crazy, 
a group of people surrounding a fishman and then just beating him mercilessly. <laughs> I love with, that. Like, I love how, like, <laughs> one of the interesting things about that is that the heroes of the film are not really the heroes of the film. Like, they don't accomplish anything. Yeah. The closest thing they do to defeating the fishmen is trapping them on shore by lighting the water on fire. And then it's up to the town folks to actually fight them back. It's it's really just a case of the fishmen were outnumbered. Um, I love the, I personally love the scene of the uh, the one fisherman gets on the merry-go-round. Oh my and god! It's going yeah, around and he's like chasing the people on it. Like that's fantastic. Um, but it's like there's like a girl just sitting on there actually riding the merry-go-round. Like, what the fuck? And then like. It goes around, you don't see anything, and it comes back, and the, the fisherman's choking the guy. <laughs> yeah, this is my my fourth or fifth watch. I'm not. I've seen this movie several times at this point. I think I like it more every single time I see it. Because the first time I was like, "Oh yeah, cool, a cheesy movie." But the more I've watched it, I'm like, "Wait, this isn't just a cheesy movie. This is an awesome horror movie." <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're going to pick up on a lot of those little subtleties, like the, you know, like the fact that the fisherman's in a different spot every time the merry-go-round goes around. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, that's gonna matter. Well, and it's a, uh, if if you look at it from like the Joe Bob Briggs perspective, it is the perfect blending of naked ladies and gore, like, <laughs> and, and with, the, per- with the perfect blending, lots of both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of girls in bikinis going to fight fishmen, and fishmen just like swiping with one hand and tearing their top off. Yeah. Well, the one girl, it's like when they're at the fair, and she's—I forget what she is. She's like she won some contest, so she's wearing a bikini and a sash, and she's yeah. sitting yeah, beside what's, the, what's the, the radio guy. <laughs> and they're just like the whole time they're just like constantly implying that you're going to see her naked, and then the fishmen yeah. finally show up and just rip her bikini off for no, no real reason. <laughs> I mean, I guess we know the reason. We know what they were after, but. It's, yeah, the, everything with the radio booth is a Carmen addition too, because like yeah. it's it's so completely separate from everything else that's going on. It's not even filmed in the same town, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really matter. So apparently, the carnival scene was so well done that they actually used footage from the carnival scene in the remake they did. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it. It's in the trivia on IMDb. But apparently there's like, yeah, let's, let's just reuse some of this carnival footage. Like, it's good stuff. I tried. I, I tried to find a copy that I could watch, but the yeah. only copy was in French, and that just didn't work for me. Yeah, this guy I knew sent me a link to a copy, but it was in French, so I couldn't watch yeah. it. I was a little upset, actually. Hey, hey, I just saw it was on there. I didn't actually listen to it. But the, but after I hit play and it started coming in a foreign language, I noticed all the description and the name of the guy who loaded it to YouTube was all French as well. Like it's, oh, really? Yeah. That fucking guy. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, Clint Howard, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> no, denied. Uh, I love you, Clint Howard. We'll get. Uh, we'll, I'll be talking more about him later. Oh, really? Yeah. Love Clint um, yeah, I absolutely. This is the first time I saw this movie. I absolutely ended up loving it. So, uh, I'm a big, uh, big fan of this movie. I'm a big fan of both movies this week, which yeah. is a big, big turnaround from last week. Yeah, whoever picked the movies this week should be in charge of a lot of stuff. <laughs> hey, you're never not in charge. Listen, both of these movies were awesome. Bronx Warriors is amazing. <laughs> I don't care what you guys have to say. <laughs> 
right. Uh, You're going to get everybody all upset now. You will never, <laughs> you will never tilt those scales. We just, we, we just discussed a movie at the start, at the top of this podcast, which is like an, the Island of Dr. Moreau story heavily influenced by Lovecraft with like this Romero-esque anti-capitalism message just <laughs> piled on top of all of that. And you're like, yeah, but Bronx Warriors, though. <laughs> yeah. Does, does it have Mark vibrating around a set? No, it does not. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, we were all agreeing way too much anyway, so it was about time. <laughs> about something. Uh, yeah, I just remember this, one of the humanoids from the deep ripped that guy's head off. That was awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Just, just pulled his head right off. <laughs> yeah, the, effects, the effects were pretty good. Like uh, The first kid that gets killed gets pulled underwater and then pops back up and like, half of his face is like clawed off. Yeah, I love that. At first you think he's dead, but then he starts writhing around all like with all he's still all <laughs> fucked up or whatever the fuck's wrong with him. I guess I guess uh they they were having a problem with the, the scene where he he initially gets pulled under. They were having a problem with like getting the kid to hold his breath or something and couldn't get him to do it right. So if you watch it's actually just a reversal. It's him surfacing and they just played it backwards. <laughs> That's fine. That's, that's close enough. You know what we haven't oh, talked yeah. about is the, the final scene in the movie. Though. Yeah. Because they just decide, like, we haven't ripped off Aliens yet. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, apparently, like, the, some of the promotion material said it had a very Alien-esque, shocking ending. Yeah. Which I'm, which I'm like, way to just ruin it, right, Roger. Yeah, Roger wasn't about surprising his audiences. He was about convincing them to put their asses in the seats. Yeah. <laughs> On time and under budget. Yeah. It's true. That's the common motto. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so so they end up finding uh, one of the ladies who's been taken to the fishman lair and then apparently just buried in seaweed. Yeah. Yep. I really thought you were getting ready to say taken to bone town by the fish. <laughs> <laughs> taken to bone. Taken to fishbone town. Alright. Um, so they find her and they're like, oh, she's still alive. Now let's move this seaweed so we can see her boobs for like a quick like <laughs> second. And then we'll take her to the hospital. Um, so the final scene is curse her in labor with her fishman baby. And the nurse just keeps saying, oh, push, push. But then the fishman just burrows its way out of her stomach and pops up very alien-esque. Which it I thought looks was like awesome. an alien. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. it looked great. So I'm, I'm not, I don't have a problem with them ripping off Alien as long as they do it well. And they did it yeah. very well. So. Yeah, I even like that terrible sound it makes. That... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I would say this this movie is uh, it's amazing for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest one is is I think if the original director had got to put the movie that they wanted to put out, it would have been a good movie, but not a great movie. Sure. And I think if Roger Corman had done the whole thing, it would have been either a good movie or a terrible movie, but not <laughs> it's a great impossible movie. to know. Yeah, it's impossible to know. But those two things coming together 
It really works. <laughs> well, works I think so well. I think Roger Corman saved this movie because I think if you put this out as a serious film, first of all, the A-Team plot is not going to play well in a very serious film with a, with a more serious tone. No. And the bigger problem is when they get to the explanation for how the fishmen got made, it's like they're manipulating DNA of salmon in order to make them grow bigger and faster or whatever, right? Yeah, to help some of them, restock the, uh, the supply of G- GMO yeah. salmon. So yes. Okay, so but some of the salmon escaped because the storm hit their research facility or whatever. Yeah, And then they never notified the authorities. Something ate the salmon fishmen. All right. But <laughs> knowing this happened, this company was still planning on putting more of these salmon out there, having them caught, and then selling them to people. Now, part of me does want to know what would have happened to the people who ate those salmon. <laughs> if fish that ate the salmon turned into fishmen, what would the people turn into? But it's not a great marketing plan to turn your customers into monsters because they're probably not going to hold down their jobs and be able to buy more product the next day. <laughs> so the movie starts to fall apart if you look at it as a serious film. As a fun Roger Corman romp, it's great. Yeah. Well, the- the, the funny, the funny thing is, scientifically, I'm not talking about them turning into fishmen, but, okay. but, but the idea of uh, uh, genetic drift, the idea that genetically modified organisms are released into the wild, and then those genes actually manage to get out of that creature and into another creature, is actually scientifically sound. That does happen. Yeah. Yeah. But. 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 But the mutation of the fishmen quite that quickly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and, and, well, and turning into people monsters like they're they're fish. They don't have the people DNA. They need the people DNA. Well, you know, they say it's like DNA five or something is what they put in them. They don't really explain what that is. So. Something about something frogs, frog yeah. DNA. They Jurassic Park the shit out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Somewhere along the line, somebody in Hollywood decided when you're not sure what to say about DNA, put a picture of a frog up. People will just assume it's okay. Yeah, yeah just say frog DNA. We're good. Problem solved. Uh, I was gonna. I had something to say. I completely forgot what it was. Uh, just pretend it was vastly important and everybody laughed and they're like, "Good point." Uh, it doesn't seem like something I would say after you talk. <laughs> Uh, I guess anything else about Humanized from the Deep? Uh, hugest of recommends. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. like, it, this is the kind of movie I think you could watch a hundred times and it would still be fun. And definitely the kind of thing, like, if, if you ever have, like, people over, I don't even think you have to be a horror fan to enjoy this movie. You probably have to be a fan of boobs, but other than that, you're good. Wait, I would, I would say it's, it's gory enough that, uh, if you're one of those like weak stomached people that don't like seeing any type of excessive blood in the movie, this isn't for you. Yeah, but I don't like those people anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, apparently uh, Joe Dante was offered to direct this movie. Yes, I read that. He just came off of uh, Piranha, so he really was interested. Oh my god! I want to be like that. He didn't want to be like typecast as the director who only made like genetically modified fish movies. (laughs) Yeah. So instead, he became the director who makes suburban horror. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's the problem was he couldn't figure out how to get the fishmen into the suburbs. It's like it's not gonna make sense. It's, it's gotta know. be a coastal town. I don't know how to write that, right? What you know? Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, so no uh, listener feedback this week. Um, apparently nobody had anything to say about uh, robot holocausts in 1990, the Bronx Warriors. I don't think anybody wanted to watch them. So they have no comments. No. I did receive some uh, individual messages from people all giving us, you know, nice little pats on the back, but uh, yeah, I, I won't say who those were from because obviously they sent it personally. They probably just wanted to come with me and not you too. So yeah, that's fair enough. Did no one leave? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're just being uncharacteristically quiet. I was concerned. He's in the background trying to download it. He's like, my, oh, my, my eyes are itchy. <laughs> Um, so anybody else watch anything this week did you watch anything Doug Uh, not much but I did uh, I did get started on the series 112263 ooh nice never seen Um, I'd heard good things yeah Um, I really enjoyed it only like three episodes in it's Mm. sort of just starting to get really interesting um starting to wonder what the consequences are going to be of all the shit this guy's doing in the past. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's kind of neat. I'm surprised when I heard the premise, which is that he can go into the past, um, change whatever he wants and come back. Yeah. But then if he goes back to the past, it sort of resets everything. Yeah. I assumed that almost every episode we were going to have him screwing something up, coming home and then resetting and having to start from scratch sort of a Groundhog's Day type scenario is what I was anticipating and it's not that so far yeah so um, not necessarily what I was expecting which is this guy actually living back in the 60s for I guess he's planning to stay there for three years um, yeah. or 12 episodes whichever comes first <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much hooked on it I, I'm liking it quite a bit James Franco is good in it um, he's always good in things a lot of the sporting actors I find are quite good in this too. Um, yeah. Kind of playing these 60s characters that are not always easy to pull off for modern right. day actors. But. Did you just say the sentence, James Franco is always good in things? Yeah. Right. I agree Almost with that. I, I think there are probably ex- exceptions, I'm sure. But James Franco is a quality actor, yes. I'll stand by that. I would, I would say he bats about 50%. <laughs> Although more, I think more of that is bad casting and bad movie choices, which I can agree with. All right, I didn't. I wasn't trying to start a James Franco debate. No. I'm curious, to you, what do you think he was particularly bad in? Uh, well, Oz, first of all, <laughs> that, that is a steamy pile of garbage. Oh, I didn't disagree with that. Uh, 
some of his more comedic stuff I get sick of because he plays the same pothead dude in all those things. Yeah, but that gets boring and annoying. But that's everybody who's ever gotten involved in comedy. They always end up going down that road of just playing the same character over and over again. I like his comedy stuff. Yeah, I like. I think this is the end. Is probably one of my favorite comedy movies of all time <laughs> um, because it's basically a horror movie as well as a comedy movie, and and completely making fun of themselves for, for being the very type of people that Noah just said he didn't like. Yeah, yeah, and I think because I know they're those kind of people, I'm yeah. accepting of it. Seriously, where is my phone? Dead. Uh, um, yeah they do a really good job with the uh, miniseries Um, have you met Bill yet is Bill the guy that kind of his little sidekick character yeah yeah we've met him and I think he's pretty good okay so far yeah he's good he's uh he's a very small character in the book that they then expanded into his sidekick because a lot of the book is just inner monologue. Right. So he needs someone basically to tell stuff to so that the audience can understand what's going on. But I think they did a really good job of incorporating him into the story when he doesn't really exist in the book all that much. Yeah. That's that's interesting because having no real knowledge of the book, it's like, Sometimes when you're translating stuff, you have to do that, and it's yeah. good to know that it's being done well. Yeah, I'm already surprised how well certain things are done, how well they're handling like race issues and different things like that. that yeah. I thought they would just stay away from. So yeah, yeah, they do that stuff really well. Um, one of the more interesting things in the book is because uh, the portal actually opens out into dairy in the book. Okay. And it's actually five years instead of three years. They obviously condensed it for the 12 episodes of the show, which was fine. Um, but so then in the book, he pops out in 1950 Dairy. So he keeps hearing about this serial killer that was going around killing children dressed up as a clown like the summer before. Oh, yeah. And then ends up actually running into Richie and Bev at some point. As they're like practicing for some like uh, talent show or something for the school, so I just thought that was fun. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that. You know, we haven't seen those characters like in forever, so it's fun just to see them sprinkled throughout a book. That's so, awesome. You know, it doesn't really affect anything, but it's just sort of like, oh, we get to see them again and and see them in a long time. I'm a big fan of the way Stephen King just kind of mixes stories together in fun little ways like that where they don't really impact each other that much yeah but it's just kind of yeah yeah so yeah i'm curious how you how you you feel because i really ended up enjoying it so it's good yeah like i say just getting started but i'm already hooked so nice you ever seen uh 11 uh i watched like the first few episodes and then i got distracted and i haven't ever got back to it oh oh wait it was on hulu right yeah, yeah. I watched the first three episodes and then I had to cancel my Hulu account. Gotta mm. do it. Yeah, I have it on Blu-ray, just because 
don't know. I'm the guy that still buys stuff for some reason. Yeah. I would if I had money. <laughs> but you get that movie pass. You have no time to watch stuff at home anymore anyway. Exactly. You should be living at the theater. Oh, although I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything else, Doug? Uh, the only other thing is I started a, a rewatch of Game of Thrones to get the plan is to watch all seven seasons in the three years they're giving us to get ready for season eight um it, the only comment i'll make is man season one it's like surprisingly quaint it's like these weird things like there'll be like a scene of incest and they'll pause for a minute to give the audience a chance to be shocked or like a kid gets murdered on screen and they're like <gasps> and it's like yeah, none of that's surprising to me anymore in this show because I know where this is all headed. Like, I'm not going to get surprised every time a brother and sister have sex. I, that's, I, my jaw would never be shut. So it's kind of funny that back then they had to kind of edit in those moments to be big reveals, knowing yeah. where it, it ends up that it's just like, yeah, that's not a thing anymore. Game of Thrones, a song of ice and siblings. Fuck it. Yeah. So, but it, it is, I mean, the first... The first episode ends with like the Stark kid finds the Lannisters having sex and then they throw him off a building. And I, I think back to how shocking that moment was. And then if you told me like now, like I wouldn't even consider that a spoiler. Like, oh, in the next episode of Game of Thrones, there's a brother having sex with his sister and then he throws a kid off a building. I, that's, yeah, okay. But what's the story about though? <laughs> like, that's, it's, it's barely even a moment now. So it's kind of funny that it's come that far. But yeah, there's not. I mean, there's not much to say about Game of Thrones. It hasn't been said, especially not about the early seasons. So yeah, I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones and yeah. was really bored, so I never watched anything else. You do have to get used to all the talking. There are long periods of time with just guys sitting around talking in old timey English, and either like that or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, so that's kind of it for me. So. Noah, are you a big fan of Game of Thrones? Uh, I I like it. I actually quit watching it because George R. R. Martin's taken so long to put the, the last books out. Mm-hmm. And so now my plan is I'm basically just going to save it up until the entire show's done and then I'll go back and rewatch the whole thing. Right. So they're, they're, they're kind of ahead of the books now show which is interesting i mean yeah. it's gonna be two competing stories that end up coming out i thought i picked up the whole series and i found that it was just i kind of time on my hands um let's see i watched a couple things but then me and Noah actually have a lot of the same things that we watched. Oh, yeah. So I'll start off with, I watched a movie called Freeway, um, which is like uh, one of those like late 80s uh, like thrillers. Um, so essentially, uh, there's someone driving around L.A. who is just, like on the freeway just pulls out a gun and starts like shooting people that's next to him so this becomes like a a killing spree like they can never catch who did it but um 
but you know sure enough they'll find like oh this guy got shot it's our it's our freeway killer like son of a bitch um and he's played by uh billy drago but you don't really see him till like halfway through the movie uh and he's he's a crazy guy who is a former priest who is like quoting the bible and then killing people so you know typical billy drago stuff um I don't know. Like it's okay. It's pretty good. Uh for a late eighties uh sort of thriller movie. I enjoyed it. Um The weird thing is they wrote the script and then were like just getting ready to start production when there actually started to be a uh spree of highway or freeway killers. Just like in the movie. So they felt really weirded out by that. Say, like, I, I seem to recall this story in real life, more so than I'd, I've never seen the movie. I wondered if, uh, yeah, I if this was kind of inspired by the true stories or anything. So it sounds like it's almost the other way around, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no way, like, because it was like you know getting ready to start production, so it's like no way like anybody could have really known about it. But it's just like it, I think it's just that weird like hive mind type stuff that people just tap into stuff and don't realize there's like a consciousness about it. Um, the other thing is uh, Richard Belzer's in it and he's essentially like a uh, like a Dr. Drew sort of, like a radio guy who has like a, he's like a radio therapist essentially. People call in and ask him questions and he gives them advice. And so of course Billy Drago starts calling his show and uh, quoting off uh Bible verses and stuff that sort of becomes the uh, the communication point between uh, figuring out who this killer is or whatever because he keeps calling into the show. So it's interesting. Like I said, if you're into like late eighties thrillers, uh, it's an interesting watch. Um, and then for the rest of the stuff I watched, me and Noah actually went to a Dust Till Dawn horror night at the drive-in. Um, and they were doing a bunch of like tributes since so many people died this year that, that we were big fans of. Uh, so the first one was a Bill Paxton tribute, and uh, they were showing Aliens, which uh, watching you know Aliens is always awesome, but then getting to see it at a drive-in, you know, with like a greasy corn dog and popcorn and so good. Yeah, it seems to really suit that environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, every time like I go to the drive-in, I you know we bring a lawn chair, sit outside, have a little radio in front of us, and just absolutely love like the atmosphere of watching a movie that way. Um, people at this one are usually pretty respectful. I think a lot of people sometimes don't know how their cars work, and since we're in that age where you can have cars that just the headlights come on when you turn the key too far. Instead yeah. of, you know, like the on-off switch. Sometimes you'll get some some glares up on the screen, but for the most part, everybody's pretty cool with each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about Aliens. It's fucking Aliens. It was awesome. I forgot how close, like, the most quotable lines of that movie, other than uh, Get Away From Are You Bitch, are, man, they're really close together. They're all said within, like, five minutes. 
the, yeah, the movie's not not concentrating on its dialogue. You're there to watch things get shot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I think really watching this with an eye of like Bill Paxton's performance in it, you know, sort of as a tribute movie, just made me a little sad. Just you know, enjoyed his performance so much, and then realizing like, well. That's not gonna happen anymore. Yeah. Poor Bill Paxton. Uh, so what's just sad? I know it's, it's like I told somebody like when it happened, like it's one of those celebrity deaths that you don't really think about. Like you know, you don't sit around thinking like, oh man, if Bill Paxton dies, I'm gonna be really sad. But then Bill Paxton fucking dies, and you're like really sad about it, and you're just like, why am I so sad? Like you just realize like. Anytime I would see a movie and I would be like, eh, I mean, I guess that movie looks okay. And then all of a sudden you hear, oh, Bill Paxton's in it. You're like, oh, really? Then all of a sudden, like, my interest goes up like a whole nother level. And so he's just one of those actors that I love seeing and stuff and seeing what he's going to do with his performance and everything. So it was just a bummer when he died. Did you, uh, did you enjoy the, the screening, Noah? It was awesome. Don't say anything about it, but aliens get so much feedback. <laughs> well, I mean, it's aliens. <laughs> and then, uh, what, I can't even remember what else showed. Is there a truck backing up in your house? I, I'm pretty sure a fire alarm's going off. Uh oh, you should probably go check let me, that. Let me be right back. Let me make sure my roommate's not dying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're showing them, Brian, because we. Can't we wait for that? Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so leaving that in. <laughs> no, I have to check to make sure this apartment wasn't burning we're, down. We're we're alive. I'm back. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> where where were we? <laughs> um, well, we're gonna, I was going to move on to the next one. This one didn't have any tribute attached to it, but we watched uh, the original Halloween two. Which I think this is a movie that was definitely suited to be watched at a drive-in. Just sure. Michael Myers just skulking around a hospital murdering people. So good. Yeah. I yeah. I'm actually a big fan of Halloween, too. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it, too. Um, I do think it introduces the biggest problem in the Halloween franchise, which is the brother-sister angle. Just because I think that like locked them in so much for the future movies whether they intended to make sequels or not. Like I'm when not they, so much bothered by that as I'm bothered by the impact it has on that first film. Yeah. I don't like the way it sort of changes what's already come before it. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah, and it's one of those things watching it, like, like I don't know. I mean, obviously, Halloween came out before I was born, so it's just this weird thing where I forget that she doesn't know who... Michael Myers is in the first movie. Yeah. So when they tell her, like, oh, the person in the second one, they're like, oh, the, yeah, the guy that was chasing you, that's Michael Myers. And she's like, the kid that used to live, the murderer's sister lived, used to live down the street? And that's when I'm just like, oh, that's right. Like, she has no idea. Which, again, brings up your point that, like, that's almost, it'd almost be better to, like, leave that whole first movie alone where she has literally no idea what's going on. And the brother-sister yeah. thing makes it even worse. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't need to go down a whole Halloween angle here, but like, what I love about that first yeah. movie is the randomness of it. The idea that you yeah. could just be sitting at home and this guy could just show up. And when they kind of take mm-hmm. that away and give him some motivation, that's where I kind of go, eh. That's like the first mistake of that series. Now, it yeah. doesn't hurt. I'm fine with the way Halloween 2 plays out, especially because I love the way it's it ends, and I love the idea that that was meant to be the end of the series. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Halloween 4 is a very fun slasher sequel that sure. doesn't really make any sense, but who cares? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's yeah. fun to be had with the rest of that series. Oh, yeah. No, I really like part four. Um, five is starts out okay, but then opens up a whole another can of worms. It's a giant problem. Yeah. I, I forgot about the... So, so all these years, I've always thought, you know, well... You know, he can take punishment, but Michael Myers is just a guy, unless you count the sixth movie, and I don't. <laughs> That's very reasonable, because if you count sure. it, you're going to have a whole discussion over which version to count. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But the, the whole thing was always, well, he gets, you know, people would be like, well, he's you know, mortal. He gets shot like six times in the chest in the first movie. And I was like, yeah, but he's just a big guy. And the whole thing is he just kind of like... Yeah. Is walking around bleeding the whole time just because he doesn't he doesn't give a shit. But I forgot right before he gets blown up that he gets shot in both of his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, okay, no way, something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, um, I do love watching uh, Loomis's like mental stability just kind of fall off the edge throughout this movie too. Yeah. So the first one, I mean, he's kind of rational about everything. Just like, need to find him. Like, he's evil. He's sort of staking out the house and trying to figure out what's going on. This one, like, his the first time you see him, he's just running around the street and a cop car stops by. He's like, I shot him six times. Like, he's just like screaming weird shit. You don't understand. <laughs> he's evil. He's not dead. But that is probably how you'd react if you shot a guy six times sure. and then you like you go around the house and he's not there you're like what the fuck yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so i mean i just seeing this at a drive-in like it's such a great experience just sitting there and just munching on some popcorn and, <laughs> and it's a great movie and scream queen uh jamie lee curtis always makes me happy well she used to i don't, I don't know how do, how do we feel about this new halloween movie that's coming out it's probably gonna be shit uh, yeah, I'm going to watch it, and I'm just going to not worry about whether it's good or not until I watch it. And yeah. If it's good, great. If it's not good, well, it's not the first one that hasn't been good. So. Well, I just feel like we're in this weird place right now where we just kind of are starting we're, we're starting to do the thing where we're just like, eh, but we're just going to forget about all that. Which, yeah. I mean, we've done it before, but it seems like everybody's sort of doing that now. The thing uh, with the Halloween series is that they've done it like three times already. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So it's like, I don't, at this point, it's not really a series. I mean, it's, yeah. it goes one, two, four. So, so wait, he's a druid zombie? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, it's just like, yeah, you got, you got the first two, and then they're sort of like, well, we're kind of done with that. So we're going to do our own thing. And then that didn't really work out too well for them. And then there's like, okay, well, we're going to go back to it. But then they do like three movies. And then they're like, all right, well, how about we just start over again? We'll just forget all that nonsense. And never mind, you know, 
parts three through six. And then they did two movies. And then they were like, let's do a remake. So forget all that nonsense. We're going to start over again. And then they did two. And now it's like, well, we're going to go back to it. But, okay, forget, like, the three reboots we did. We're just doing, like, yeah. we're just doing almost, like, the third movie in a series 40 years later. And yeah, I'm just like, it's oh a strange God. decision. I don't understand. Yeah, I think I think they're banking on the fact that most people just won't care. Yeah, I think that's the goal, and they're probably right. Most people probably won't care. Yeah. So, and like I say, like if it's called Halloween, I'm probably gonna see it. Mm. Um, so I like I, I don't even I, I have stopped paying attention to the news. I only know Jamie Lee Curtis has come back because it was everywhere in the world. Like that yeah. picture of her on the, on the front porch. Yeah, and there's talk that they may dump the brother sister angle. So how, like so now it's what not even not even two counts. It's like one point five counts because I think still parts of two are going to count. So yeah, now, so you're, now, now you're getting really messy though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the the last time uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was re-injected and they tried to reboot the franchise, uh, it is the source of one of the greatest moments of my entire life. So, yeah, I accept that. Oh my god! So my Tyra Banks dancing and one of my friends in high school is a huge no, Michael no, Myers no, fan. That no, was a big Busta Rhymes fan. Okay. No. Oh my god! No, this gets so good. Not not that one. H two O. Yeah, I know. So, so when H two O comes out, we go to the theater to see this, and this story has everything. It has racial stereotypes and bad theater etiquette. And, so we sit in the theater, theater's completely empty, and two people sit down behind us, and uh, one of them is a very large, obese uh, African-American lady who proceeds to talk through the entire movie loudly. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend is just over there seething, getting ready to lose his damn mind. Was she and, a big uh, LL Cool J fan? Is that why she was there? Oh, oh yeah, that's 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 what we're getting to. So the oh, okay. scene happens where Jamie Lee Curtis actually shoots I was LL Cool J. And this lady behind us, she stands up and she goes, bitch, you shot Ellie. <laughs> and I think I laughed so hard I lost consciousness. Like, it was the, I had to get up and leave the theater. I was laughing so hard. And I was like, I don't want her to think that, like, I'm just making fun of her. That's legitimately the funniest damn thing I've ever heard a human being say. That's phenomenal. Uh, see, I don't like it when people interrupt my movies in the theater. But, I mean, if you're going to do it, make it like one of the greatest things ever, and then I'll forgive it. So I would have been <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to hear the greatest example of somebody interrupting a movie by talking in the theater? Sure. So Clerks 2. I'm in the theater seeing it for the second time, which made everything a lot easier for me to handle because I had already knew what was going on. But there's the scene. I don't know if you guys remember the movie this well. They're dancing on the roof of the movies. And Dante like dips, dips her and he, and she goes, I'm pregnant. And then he just drops her. (laughs) Just just as he dropped her, somebody yelled out, not anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's horrific and hilarious simultaneously. Uh, well, I should probably tell the. Well, I'm gonna tell Randy's story. Randy's not here, but um, 
we went and saw the Unborn, the one with Gary Oldman in it, which was a giant bag of dicks. <laughs> um, so Randy, we're sitting in this aisle, and Randy always sits like three seats away from everybody because he's a weirdo. And so he's sitting like three three seats down, and this woman and her daughter uh, come in, and they both go to sit down. Like the lights are going down, so they they can't really see that well. So they're trying to you know come up the aisle. And uh, so they're sitting down, and the mom takes her coat off and kind of whips it, and her phone goes flying out of her pocket and, like, rattles across the floor, like, by over where Randy's sitting. So, you know, the movie's starting, and the mom, I, I, I could just hear the mom going, I don't know, I think it went down that way. I'm going to go see if I can find it. So then she's, like, crawling on her hands and knees down the aisle looking for her phone. And she literally crawls up to Randy. And Randy's just sitting there just sort of laughing to himself. She doesn't find her phone, so she turns around and crawls back. <laughs> and then she's like, I couldn't find it. So then her daughter's like, well, I'll see if I can find it. So then her daughter crawls down the aisle and is crawling over, crawls over by Randy. To which then we made fun of him and told him he had a family style that night. <laughs> um, and then I think, I, don't know, I think the daughter found it. But we're sitting there in the movie, and the mom fell asleep at some point, which was hilarious. But then, but then, like, I don't know, the weird shit in that movie is going on. I never saw it that one time because it's horrible. And apparently there was some really graphic gore or something in one scene. And Randy said that she was just sitting there. The gore came on screen. She didn't react. But then all of a sudden, he just heard her go, Rouse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic. All right. So Halloween 2 is awesome. Everybody should watch Halloween 2. Not yeah, the Rob Zombie ones because that one's that, horrible. That's a piece of shit. Yeah. You don't want to get me started on that. <laughs> um, and then the next movie was the George Romero tribute. So we got to watch uh, Day of the Dead at the drive in. Oh, nice. And so, uh, Noah, you said this is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's between this. It's definitely my favorite zombie movie, and yeah. either it or Split Second is my favorite movie. I go back and forth on which one, but yeah. Uh, so, how was it seeing Day of the Dead at the drive-in? Amazing. If if I had been by myself and like sitting in my car, I probably would have cried. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "There's other guys here. Yeah. Don't do it. Toughen up." Yeah, pretty much. Like, like it's it's it, it's my my favorite movie and it means a lot to me it got me through some pretty bad times whenever i was like young and depressed and stuff nice um yeah again i think it seems like they, they did a really good job picking movies that play really well to drive in it sounds um, like they did that yeah like day of the dead is like a big fun movie to watch even though yeah. it's like still got a, a lot of horrificness to it it's yeah yeah. So we had a great time watching that. And then they were going to play uh, Maniac, the original 1981 version. Um, but at that point, it was like 3.30, and it was still like an hour and a half drive home. So we uh, we just called it the night so that I didn't fall asleep and kill us all on the way back. But, uh, yeah, we had a great time at the drive-in. 
Uh, they usually do this every year at this drive-in. So uh, if anybody's in the uh, Chicago, Illinois area, it's always worth uh, checking out the Midway Drive-In, especially uh, in the September sort of time period for their Dust Till Dawn Horror Night. Don't forget your corn dog money. Yeah. That's the best thing. Their concession stand is some of the worst food. Which means it's like which means it's, it's like so garbagey delicious. Which means it's like the best food in the world. Cause they got like corn dogs. Uh they got like those cheeseburgers that are like the cheeseburgers you ate like in junior high. Like the really soy filled cheeseburgers. But you know, nice. you just want to eat like three of them because you're like, oh, this tastes like junior high. This is so good. And so, yeah, it's always a good time. I always eat a bunch of garbage and then feel horrible the next day. It's almost like a drive-in food hangover. So good. <laughs> so, Noah, did you watch anything else? Uh, I did. So, <laughs> so after watching Humanoid Room the Deep, I must have had, like, rapey cannibals on my brain. Because <laughs> I decided to watch uh, The Hills Have Eyes, the original one. <laughs> Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe fast, fat, and juicy. <laughs> love, love that movie. And then I was like, "Hmm, well, let's keep this train going." I'm gonna watch Chud because I want to watch something about like freaky monster things again. Sure. So I watched Chud, and of course that was awesome. And then I was like, "Man, all these movies that I just watched were really, really good." So then I watched Chud too. <laughs> oh, why did you do that? <laughs> oh, you know, you know what I gotta do? I gotta ruin my day. That's what I need to do. <laughs> See, yeah, you guys don't understand. That's that's like the whipped cream on top of the sundae. It doesn't do much, but it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot you hate yourself. So. Uh, so you I, just, I just could appreciate a bad movie, and that's a fun bad movie. It's ridiculous. So you should have watched The Hills Have Eyes 2 where there's literally a scene where a German Shepherd has a flashback to the first movie. Yeah. I which makes which makes complete sense in every imaginable yeah. way. I totally would have, but I could not find it. Oh. Well. And then I was looking for uh man, I always forget his names. Uh what's what's the actor that's got the crazy bug eyes? Michael Berryman? Yeah. Uh he was in a weird sci fi movie that, that I always get it confused with Hills Have Eyes 2 and I cannot remember what the name of it is for the life of me but I was trying to figure that out too and couldn't find it either good story yeah he's he's awesome he's just well, in, he's just in weird random movies that I can never remember the names of the damn movies I love his uh, his cameo in Weird Science as one, <laughs> of the Mad, one of the Mad Max people yeah. Weird science. But but that was it. That was I, I didn't get a whole lot of movie watching in this week. Damn it, Noah. Well, uh, what are we doing tomorrow, Noah? Uh, I don't recall what you guys actually decided on. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Me and oh, Noah. T- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Noah are actually taking a trip up to the Chicagoland area. And we're going to watch uh, Stephen King talk for like an hour or so with the son about the new book he's got coming out. Yeah. I'm excited. Cool. Yeah. I've been... Uh, one less of him- son. Yes. 
the, the one that looks more like his mom than uh, Joe Hill does. Uh, I've been waiting for him to come around and do it like an actual signing. Like the past couple books, I've been I keep looking and I'm like, oh, he's just doing a talk. He's not doing a signing. Well, I don't want to go to that. And it's just it's to the point. Like I just don't think he actually does signings anymore. So I'm like, well, I better actually go because he just celebrated his 70th birthday. So I'm like, oh, don't start talking like you're going to start talking. I'm just saying I need to go or I'm going to regret it someday. So I'm going. And I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy the living shit out of every moment while I'm there. So yeah, and uh, I wasn't gonna be able to afford to go. And uh, our buddy El Goro decided he couldn't make it, and was kind enough to hook me up with one of his tickets. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna head up there, watch him talk. Uh, you get a you get a book included with your ticket purchase. So. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to get one of the 400 signed editions that are sprinkled throughout the uh, the book collection. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I did uh, not I know that was even a possibility. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago when he got caught breaking into bookstores and signing copies of his own book. <laughs> Which, if I was a famous writer, is what I would totally do, too. Sure, why not? If I was a famous anything, I would use it to fuck with people. So, so awesome. Of course. Um... He can pretty much just do whatever he wants. <laughs> I mean, Stephen King, he's going to walk into a bookstore. Someone's going to be like, hey, don't write in that book. And he's like, but it's mine. And they'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Do whatever you want. A copy's not yours. Not until you pay for it. <laughs> stop, stop doing that. Why? Because no one's going to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how much would it mess with your mind if you got home and it was signed and you're like, well, is it him or is it some asshole? And it would be in your head the rest of your life. <laughs> You have to take a picture of it and send it to him on Twitter. Be like, "Did you do this?" And he'll be like, "I don't know." And you're like, "God damn it!" That's exactly. You tell me. A... You tell me. And if you got home and it was signed to you, you're actually inside of a Stephen King novel. Oh, that's amazing. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the best thing ever. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. No, well, you're gonna have to tell everybody what we're doing next week. Yeah, so did we? I guess it's a, are we doing Blank Man and Meteor Man? Is that what we decided we're doing? I don't know. No one I each voted. Yeah, we, we both to vote. break the vote. So is that, is that what we decided we're doing? Uh, I guess so. Because I do feel like we should <laughs> wait. We should wait till the Punisher series is coming out okay. and then do the original Punisher movie in celebration. I accept that. So I guess we're doing superheroes next week. Um, but we can't do anything normal. So no, 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 it's not our stuff. We're we're going back to the '90s when it was a bad word to be a superhero movie, and let alone a superhero movie that was not really based on anything. So uh, we decided to check out the uh, Damon Wayans movie Blank Man, which I have very fond memories of watching when I was younger. So it was on cable rotation like all the time. I had no recollection of this, and I was a big Damon Wayans fan. So. Yeah, um, it's really then, good. I watched it a couple of years ago. It holds up fairly well. Yeah, so I caught like part of it when it was on cable just recently, and was had good nostalgia feels. So I'm hoping the whole thing holds up. Uh, and then the uh, other 
I guess, black superhero movie that came out around the same time is uh, Meteor Man. <laughs> with, uh, what's that guy's name? He has his own TV show on the WB. Uh, Fuck. Not prepared. Not prepared. Can't, can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, trying to type it in real quick. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be checking out uh, Blank Man and Meteor Man to talk about weird 90s superhero movies that were not based on previous properties. I don't know. I, Robert Townsend, that was his name. Um, I don't really know how this came together. This was on the list. We were just throwing out ra- weird random stuff. They'd be like, hey, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, then I wanted to do The Punisher, and you said, no, I have to do this instead. It's basically... <laughs> <laughs> we have to save The Punisher. Well, it's because you said the superhero thing, and I'm like, so Blank Man and Meteor Man? To which Noah was like, yes, that one gets my vote. I was like, no. Oh, no one listens to me. Oh, <laughs> awesome Fishman movies. I'm, I'm also calling that when Ragnarok comes out, uh, we're going to watch The Incredible Hulk Returns. <laughs> oh, I'm down with that. We good lord, I haven't watched those in so long. Yeah, they're they're not good. Let's watch them. <laughs> we can do that, team it up with like the original Spider-Man or something. Oh, so apparently we hate ourselves. Or the Doctor Strange movie. I love the the original Doctor Strange movie, uh, the TV one. That's one I've never seen. So it's fun. <laughs> it's actually it's interesting to watch now that the new movie's out because they actually made a lot of references to it. Oh yeah, yeah, interesting. Alright. Yeah, so Blank Man, Meteor Man. Now the fun part is, there's no uh, no discernible way to watch these online uh, very easily, so I will I will say, we're, that's what we're saying right now. We may have to uh, change it up if we decide we can't figure out what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, we'll have to touch base with each other very soon and uh, yeah. see what's going on. So, card subject to change. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But for now, Blank Man, Meteor Man, all that good stuff. Alright. Is there any other weird superhero movies we should think about doing at some point? There's a lot of them. I just can't do them off the top of my head. I've never seen any of the old, those old Captain America made-for-TV ones. Oh, I bought, oh yeah. I, bought, I bought a DVD set of those for like five bucks at Walmart. I still haven't watched them, but I'm like, I, I probably need to own this. Which which ones? Which ones does it have in it? Does it have the 1991 in it? No, I think it's the two previous ones, like from the 70s or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, he like yeah. rides, rides around on a motorcycle and he like stops yeah. to paint pictures and shit. Oh my god, he looks Apparently like it's insane. He looks like Evil Knievel. It's like he looks nothing like Captain America. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, that's the one I have because yeah, his, his helmet is a motorcycle helmet. Because, of course, the the nineteen ninety one. I'm actually pretty fond of that one. And I haven't then, seen it in a long time, but I remember uh, enjoying it with the Italian yeah. Red Skull. Yeah, and then uh, what else did we got there? Oh man, I just had it in my head. Now it's gone. Do uh, Generation X, that horrible TV pilot movie. We could do the Corman Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, there you go. I've never seen that all the way through either. I actually really, really like it. 
Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that's gonna say well, that, that's not more more as a comic book fan than as a movie fan because it's it's the most faithful adaptation of the comic that's been done. Yeah, I, I mean it's not like any of the other versions have been good. So I tried to watch that newest one, uh, and I I made it like ten minutes in. It's bad. I was like literally like I intentionally didn't see it in theaters. Ten minutes into watching it on Netflix, I'm just like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> so many other movies I could be watching right now. Yeah, could, literally, I could be watching the old Fantastic Four, like 2004 or whatever, with Jessica Alba. It'd be better than this. Oof. We could watch Superman 4. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to watch Superman 4 because when I was a kid, I loved that movie. And I just don't want to. I know it, like, objectively, I'm like, no way is that good. No. It's so but bad. I, just, I don't really want to ruin it for myself. I want that childhood yeah. memory. We should, we should pick a month that's just going to be canon month every year until we get through all of the canon films. Ooh. That could be good. Is getting through all of the canon films. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked up today on uh, Amazon the, the uh, original Death Wish on Blu-ray. Oh yeah, nice. Because because uh, I have a box set that has Death Wish two, three, and four on it. Oh really? Yeah. So I had to get the original one, and then I know there's a fifth one. So I was like, well, I should probably get that one too, just so I have all of them. Then the remake will come out and they'll be big box set with all that stuff. Oh, probably. But fuck that remake. I'm going to go like see it. I can't, I can't not go see it. I don't know. I, I don't feel I like Death Wish is like a great... Like, even the first one isn't that good. I haven't made it through all of them. You, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.